send you a link before we, before we do this, just so you can get it in your head like it's in my head. It's a message? What is it doing? So you don't have to listen past the first the first, first chorus, I what promise. Have you done? You've sent, me, you've sent a message to Bezos as yeah, well, so he deserves yeah. it. Yes, I sent it to the group one. Whatever anyway, it is, Bezos deserves it. That will be relevant shortly, I'll, I'll promise you. Right. Which <laughs> doesn't bode well. <laughs> is that the oh, I, I can see what this is. Yes. I don't need to see the video for that because I know that song. Oh, good. Okay. I just, I thought, just so you, yeah, you have the same. Christian thing. rock. Yeah. No. You didn't, didn't realise she was Christian until you sort of de- delved into the back catalogue and you went, oh, oh, okay. Like, oh. The baby she was talking about was the the baby Jesus. <laughs> I don't believe in Jesus. So, tunes, 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 hey? I thought it had to be different. Good, good, good. Good, good, good is my version of music, music, music. Well, I was going to go tunes, tunes, tunes just to be Chains, Tunes, tunes, tunes. Tunes, tunes, tunes. Tunes, tunes, tunes. You like tunes? Music, music, music. Oh, look at that. We're down with the Kill Kids. Yes, we know what an amen break is. Told my wife. That wasn't quite an amen break. Told my wife the other day that my daughter rolled her eyes back so hard I almost caught them the other day. But anyway. Yeah. We are the boomers for our children. They actually call us boomers. Like every time we say something, they look at us and say, okay. Like, okay, boomer. Okay, boomer. I'm not a boomer. I'm Generation X. We defined ourselves as being different to the boomers. That's exactly what we say. But as I always tell the kids, like you always say here, that Gen X will be worse than boomers. Gen X. We're going to be worse than boomers. It's not going to be the same as, but we're going to be worse in different ways. I think we're going to be worse because we had the beginnings of technology, but are seeing it ripped away from us now into mm. the metaverse and all that sort of stuff. But I think there's a lot of it to do because we defined ourselves as being different for the boomers and we defined ourselves as being the people who were the generation that were put upon and we had to suffer because of what the boomers did to us. Mm. Uh, and and that whole kind of woe is me, weren't we the, the most victimised fucking generation? We were the ones, you know, we're the whole fucking reality bites, moody loner kind of bullshit, you know, the Kurt Cobains, the that, mm. that whole shit, that whole shtick was, was Generation the, the, X. The Jeff Buckley experience. Yes. Um, and basically we're just a bunch of grumpy, sad old people. I'm I'm cool with that actually. Like, Tripping I'm, balls two eighty six. I'm I'm quite happy with that description. Yeah. Speaking <laughs> of of grumpy music for Generation X people. Oh, I'm grumpy. What are you grumpy? Are you, are you grumpy with we, Polish club? I am grumpy, grumpy with, with I am grumpy with Polish club. Let, let's let's deal with or let's deal to Polish club to start with. Well, Polish club. Um, now look, I, I, extremely I, I cheeseburger to... cover. Extremely cheeseburger fucking content. It um. Look, and I I went back and listened to the after I listened to this album. It's called "Now We're Cooking." No, no boys, no. With an with an apostrophe. Now we're cooking. Yeah, grammatically correct and everything. But um, now, look, when I I think I was on the pod when we reviewed their first album, and it had an enormous amount of promise. And as I went back to it again, it was at least half good. At least half the tracks were good. I actually even enjoyed probably more of the tracks this time around than I did, maybe because I was a bit still suffering from the experience of having to listen to this trash. And I remember, it, like from the first song, and and. As I, the link I just sent to you said this called "Stop for a Minute," which they may may mention about 130 times during the the opening track in three minutes and 52. Yeah. And all I can hear is Amy Grant's "Baby, Baby" saying "Stop for a minute, baby. You're so glad. I'm so glad you're mine." And I'm 
because the disco vibe is kind of right through there and that sort of you know cheesy beats and yeah it, it it's is just- very very kind of 80s post new wave soft rock a little bit yachty, not 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 the rapper. I mean the the genre. But it's not good at it either. That's the it's problem. It's kind of Glenn It's kind of you know late eighties gentle pop rock that, that charted really well and that nobody can remember any of, and that makes makes you you know makes your skin crawl at this stage of your life. It's, it's kind of like oh yeah, and they're saying they're they're taking a, a diversion. I saw you know the preview for the album which is what got me to go hey let's do this album this week you know oh, they're taking a new direction in the pop this isn't pop because it's not memorable at all it has no hooks at all it's a bunch of random strummings that uh, there was not a single song where i went oh that's i mean it's, it's it's reasonable and pleasant and wholly unremarkable i'm surprised they're not you know a triple j hottest 100 band because it's exactly the kind of tedious pointless unchallenging shit that they that audience seems to love it, I, it, was, it was awful. I'm so, so disappointed with it when I went back and listened to the original, that first album. And as much as you've absolutely ruined the best song on that album for me, the, the Come Party, which I can't think of any other way but, you know, the aforementioned, it's it's really good. Like, the, the beats are there. It's driving riffs. It, you know, it's got a real momentum about it. His voice is raw and edgy, and now it's just like, like flailing in the wind I'm just I was very disappointed if this is where they this is their attempt to get on radio obviously and it's going to be a dismal failure um, but other than that I really liked it he's, he's capable of pulling the same notes it's terrible I really um, don't like it at all it, well here's the, the thing is that I mean it's terrible it's terrible because I know the potential of what's there yeah this is this is the Rufus DeSoul of like oh, indie not, pop rock they're not that bad it's just it's just homeopathic fucking nothing. they're not that bad Nothing, nothing's as bad as Rufus to Well, uh, something I'll get to talk to Bebo mm. about next week. Uh, and he was going to bring his, his other half in who really likes them. And, you know, it's it's really it's, it's, it's really a comfortable place to put someone in to be able to say, hey, that band you, you like is fucking shit and you should fucking stop listening to them. Yeah, but this is... This is, this is <laughs> that, the the yeah. final episode of the Jaws because... <laughs> talking to that uh, nasty man. The final, the final track title seems a little bit out of out of character for the you know fuck off and die, but it does feel like you know it does tend to reflect your your reaction to the piece. Yeah, oh, it's just awful, and and to to end it with a bit of as I said high school level thrashery to try and maintain their indie cred. Well, it isn't even that; it's still kind yeah, of yeah, it's a bit strummy. It's like it's like yeah, a little chick, it's chick, like chick, edgy chick, yeah. house party guy dude with a guitar in the corner who smoked mm. too many bongs. Probably it's his contribution. Yeah, to the it, night. it's the anyway, any you know, it's the anyway. His Wonderwall yeah. guy at, in the corner of the party who you want to stab with a fucking, it, you know, a fucking chopstick. I mean, the only the only track that had any any pulse to it was whack. Yeah, and it was the only point at which they were actually you know quote unquote cooking. The rest of the album was microwave popcorn that's been left out and goes soggy. Oh, yeah, it was. It's, if this is the direction they think it's it's going, I'd like them someone to put the brakes on. I, I would. I do not want to. Subscribe to their cooking channel. They say that every generation is a reaction against the re- the generation that preceded it, and I can't wait to see the generation that follows on after these milk toast fucks because it's going to be punk rock and throwing bricks through windows by comparison to this. Yeah, I just yeah, very very. I was looking forward to this. I thought, you know, maybe you know, the second album was sort of a bit hit and miss, but it still had a bit of that, and it was kind of. I think it was one of those fork in the road kind of things where you sort of hope, well, maybe they'll go this way. And instead they turned the car around and ran back for what they think is the relative safety of, you know, commercial radio, 
milk toastness when in actual fact they find that that shit's really hard to ride. What they found really is hard what they did is they drove the car right into the middle of the road <laughs> and then they stopped it and they stayed there. Yeah, it's um, and they haven't moved since. No, it's not, it's, it's not no good at all. It's really, really. So, uh, Polish club, stop that. Yeah, like I do I, something else. They would be abandoned. I'd actually definitely go in my way to go and see beforehand. And now, I look, no, I would be, I mean, they have the feel of, of a a really good covers band who aren't very good at writing their own shit. I would love to go and see them play a set of somebody else's songs. Yeah, you've just described my entire actual musical stick. But Speaking of bands who are quite good at playing other people's songs, Metallica. Oh, yes. 30 years or 40 years on. Do you know- uh, no, it's, th- it's, it's 30 years since 1991, unless yes, I'm, it, oh, I'm since, much older since than the Black Album, but 40 years of Metallica itself, 40 plus They'd be years. getting on for it, yeah, because well, what was Kill Em All, 82, yeah. 83? Believe it or not, they have a master, one of those masterclass series out about how to be a band. And if that isn't the the you know the devil inviting you into the warm did, water, didn't we I say offline that there's something on the lines of of um, the the greatest threat to 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 eighties and nineties Metallica's legacy is is two thousand and twenty one Metallica. Yeah, very very because <laughs> they just constantly make you embarrassed to have ever liked their shit because they're just insufferable fucking cocks. They're very very earnest about the whole thing too. From the war against Napster on, they've just. They've just absolutely characterised themselves as being on the wrong side of history and just uns- insufferable balance. And, and yet I love them so. Like if they toured, which they were going to. Yes, you are. You are. You are. We forgot before you were the Godfather of Grime. You were the, the podcast official Metallica correspondent. And and look, and it's interesting. This this album, as you as we said offline as well. So this album is the eponymous the Black. Metallica. Metallica, the Black Album of 1991, which has been re-released in a deluxe version that goes for 15 hours. That's not the one that we put on the on the playlist, funnily enough. Oh, no, I just listened to the original. That was fine. Thank you. Yeah, we, we didn't need 47 different versions of, of, of demos of Don't Tread On Me. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's 30 years this year since um, the Black Album, quote-unquote. Uh, it's, it's trouble gestation, the multiple divorces and, you know, million-dollar multiple attempts at mixing it and all that kind of shit. This... This album was, I reckon, at, at the time, what what made this album such a pariah at the time is what makes it so good now. Well, that's the interesting thing, is that I, I, I never, at the time, you know, in period, and I'll say in period, just like in the 90s, I never got the, oh, this is Metallica selling out, this is, you know, this is corporate commercial bullshit. I never got that. I was like, I, what are you fucking talking about? It's loud as shit and it's angry and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it is, it is different. But now, but now having, I think, I haven't listened to this album for like 20 mm. years, probably since... I had most of this album dubbed on a one half of a C90 yeah. tape that was in my fucking old, you'll remember the Brown Hornet, my old 1988 fucking Skyline. Uh, and I'm sure I used to I used to have the, the that, and it might have been Appetite for Destruction on the oh, other yeah. side, but um, I used to like crank that, that yeah. a lot. And I probably haven't listened to the album in its entirety for 20 years or, or thereabouts, I would have thought. But this is the first time I've listened to it, and I've listened to '80s Metallica more recently, mm. and I think I get it. Yeah, like I can see why the Bob Rock sensibilities. The I mean, if you look at what Bob Rock had done, mm. I mean, he'd done like Sonic Temple by the Cult, and he'd done Doctor Feelgood by Motley Crue, and that had been what his immediate preceding kind of stuff. I can see why that much more groove-driven, riff-driven. Lars is drumming like Phil Rudd rather than like, you know, 
doing paradiddles and double kicks and shit. I can see why, why for the old heads, that would have really kind of struck them as, oh wow, this is this is a sellout. This album has it has harmonies, it has strings, it has you know overdubs, it has. Well, it has ballads, and you know we skip them because the ballads are shit. For God's sake, like this, you can hear clear as day in um in, in sad but true. You can hear the shaker track in it. And there was not a hope in hell that any Metallica album before that had a shaker track. Before it, they just laid down four, you know, four tracks, and, and that was it, kind of thing. There wasn't a lot to it. Well, and they all recorded them individually too, because they, 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 a lot mm. of this was was recorded recorded live to tape. That might have been why it needed so many fucking attempts at mixing it. Yeah, which kind of makes you wonder why they've done a 2021 remaster. I mean, surely a million bucks worth of mastering and mixing was enough in 1991, but apparently not. Well, I mean, and the, the funny this. For all its you know hardness and all that stuff, this is a pop album. This is it's quite trebly. This oh no, but this is this is pop. Like this is hard. hard this is heavy metal. I oh, know you you love saying that, which it, which to me always sounds it is, like absolutely. I'm a tough metal guy, and this is very pop. No, to no, me. no, 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 no. I, no, I don't mean it. I mean it with absolute respect because pop, as we've said a long time, is really hard to write. But there's not a. That's why we talk about yeah. pop music. Talk about yes, that's pop right. music. But there's not a person with a, you know, who's listened to any sort of music within the last 30 years that doesn't hear the first four notes of this of of Anna Sandman and know exactly what's coming. And, and yeah, but and that's not that's not because it, that's that's a result of its success. That's not because but that's it's the, but the, it's the pop, pop sensibility of it. They, I they don't, have I don't that think it is because it's pop songs don't are not normally entirely minor and and menacing. I think that's got more to do with the fact that, you know, Inner Sandman is like first team all NBA game operations intro music. Like it's been used for every sporting event and everyone's walk on music and every wrestler and all this sort mm. of stuff. It's just been used so much that it's But even when it first came out, like the opening like it, it's just one of the most iconic sort of openings to an album. Like it's it's up there with appetite as you know, like Welcome to the Jungle and all that sort of stuff, which is around the same Yeah, time. and Thunderstruck. I mean yeah. let's when we look at this, I mean the late eighties, early nineties was the golden period for album starting atmospheric songs that you would use for walk up music if you're a baseball player kind of stuff. Between, you know, Thunderstruck and, and Appetite. Mm. But because, I mean, they had history with sort of with this sort of stuff. Apparently, there's stories that in, in Germany, where they were very big, Ride the Lightning starts with a harpsichord solo on probably one of the heaviest songs on the entire album, Fight Fire with Fire. And apparently, there's stories that a whole bunch of people bought the album when it came released, chucked it, you know, chucked it in the tape player or the record player, heard the harpsichord solo and threw and like, burnt it and just said, this is fucked, you know, and when, you know, so they had a bit of history with sort of, you know, the the weird intro. I guess is is the is the way to sort of approach it. So it, it's just, they'd learn not not to start soft. Yeah, like do not it, go gentle into that good. I night. just think, you know, it, it's but it is such a good. It even flows really. I mean, it, it ebbs away to the towards the end of the album. Even flow that was a different album, non nineteen ninety one. Yes, we're not allowed to talk about that album, but no, it flows really well. Uh, like this album, mm. like even from Sandman to Sabbath True and. Yep. Yeah, know, the live version of, of Sabbath True isn't as good, I think, as, as the studio version because they really sit on that dunk, 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 and they, they just, it just, the song kind of chugs to a stop and then has to start kind of womble off again. Oh, well, yeah. it, it's the 27 tracks. Yeah, it's the shaker, it's the shaker part and the 27 overdubs of the guitars that, that do it. But it's still, there are only five songs that Metallica play at every one of their gigs. Like because the, they they've got such a massive back catalogue, I said that they yeah. can they change their set list pretty well. They every put night. away a lot of the stuff on this for quite a few years because it was like but they play, many other. But they play five 
there's only five songs that they play every night and three of them are on this album. Yeah. Like Anna Sandman, Sad But True and Nothing Else Matters are in almost every single Metallica gig you'll, you'll go and see. Usually the other two are ma- a Master of Puppets and something like Battery or Seek and Destroy. Yeah, and look, if, you, if, you're not, if you're not getting that from a Metallica set, you'd wonder, you know, you, you kind of want your money back, I think. But there's sort of, I mean, when I went and saw them, I kind of, I didn't really understand how much they changed their set list until I actually found a site. There is mm. a site, believe it or not, that tracks what every band around the world plays at every gig and tracks how many times they've played all these songs. And um, they, yeah, I, I wanted to hear Creeping Death because that's probably one of my favourite songs. And they played two songs off their shithouse new album when I went there and then came straight into Creeping Death. And that was it. You know, that was, I was- Major happy. I was done. And interestingly enough, that at the gig I went to, um, they played Holier Than Now, which is a very rare song for them to play live. It's quite but- a. It's probably one of the quickest songs on this album. I mean, what this album, what I've really noticed this this time round with listening to with the Black Album is how it really was a waypoint between that eighties thrash and the the kind of later nineties kind of load reload, almost sort of grooved based. Uh, riffage mm. when you think of songs like two by four or stuff like that and, and people have blamed bob rock for a lot of that but i feel like yeah, that was that's, what that's the band wanted of- to play because they were you know lars wasn't capable of drumming the way he had, yeah. he had been you know 10 years well, lars, earlier lars hadn't been capable of drumming at all like he was, he's always been a terrible drummer and he yeah. continues to be that's part of their sort of charm almost that anybody can can sort of do it, but Lars does not have charm. <laughs> Let's get that out of the way. No, nothing at all. It's interesting to listen to the various sort of devices because, like you, don't, you know, I, I think everybody kinds of thinks of Metallica, you know, because of their personalities. They're a bit meatheadish, a bit sort of, you know, and there's some pretty clever musical mm. kind of brains in here somewhere. There has to be because their music's still. Weird. Although this was deliberately more simple than than Justice, they kind of felt like maybe, maybe we don't need to kind of. Yeah. I think I think they felt like because they were in a genre that, uh, like metal, where you're kind of regarded as meatheads, they they felt like they had to show their working. So that's why you know. On justice, there were the seven-minute, massively complicated, you know, bits and you know, all kinds of stuff going everywhere, and and kind of having to show all your working and you know, you know, put on all your, you know all your accessories at once. And I think in this in this this album had much more of a feel of no, let's let's simplify it and let's let's write a as you've said a pop album. In in saying that though, the 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 I'll go back to Sandman again is is kind of weird that you know it goes away from that usual one five four sort of structure. In that it brings its chorus up, and a lot of lot of albums do that. Like it brings that bridge, and the you know, the chorus is a tone higher than the verse. And the way they get between those two keys, and they're not very easy keys to sort of get between, um, works really really well. And I sort of thought, well, maybe that's something that's kind of why these songs. Are, but they use that motif a lot in this album. Like they obviously thought, hey, that sounds cool, and it's through. A, you can hear. The, you can hear the idea they had and that then the cool little riff that they had and it's through a lot yeah. of the songs that they just shifted Well, they do up. that again on Don't Tread On Me, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, a, a lot of the stuff. And you can- Don't Tread On Me is an, an odd song, isn't it? Because it's it kind of intros. It feels very Spinal Tap when it intros. It's, it's got a bit, a bit of, yes. you know, I want to be in America, fucking uh, West Side Story. Yes, which well, is very it's a long history. I mean, Led Zeppelin used to do that in their live shows. They'd they'd use bark or some fucking shit, and and of course, um, mm. there's a bit of Spinal Tap did something along those lines. And of course, this is a 
Metallica got sick of people comparing this to, to Spinal Tap, Smell the Glove, um, because of the black cover. And, and Lars would say, well, actually, it's a tribute to some fucking status quo album of the early 70s. I'm like, you fucking I mean, Metallica you. used the bloody um, Ennio Morricone song as their walk-on and have for 30 years, you know, like that sort of yeah. overblown yeah. sort of- I mean, wherever I may roam feels like- The intro to that feels like a spaghetti western. Yeah. Doesn't it? I mean, it's got that kind of kind of ringing twitch of the corner of the eye of the old gunman as he's as he's walking, you know, as he's setting up for the duel. It's look. Uh, I mean, I, I listened to this the morning after I listened to the Polish Club album, and it felt very familiar. It felt very warm and and driving, and it's still a very very well put together album. It's kind of it's kind of like them after 20 years or 10 years of how they're doing it, basically sort of turning around to the metal world and said, saying, if you want to be yeah. popular, yeah. this is how you do it. This is how you make metal accessible because it is really making, you know, it, it's br- it brought a whole yeah. new audience to that sound. And, and the interesting thing I found, because I did, I had a, a dive through yeah. that playlist that you mentioned about the blacklist. We, we might we might, we might might come to that as a separate thing because I've got, I've got some thoughts on that. Yeah, um, I have I have some thoughts to, to uh, about it. But what I was going to say is that I felt like this had more. I always felt like Metallica was kind of a separate entity from a lot of that kind of late eighties, early nineties hair farmer rock. But I I felt I felt the connections a bit more closely to to to, and, and I think that's what you're talking about. The idea is that it brought it brought that kind of synthesized all of that metal that that had started with. I mean, when they when in the eighties when they were basically doing the early eighties, they were effectively like had listened to Motorhead's Overkill and, and Ace of Spades and mm. just made an album that was just that hit heaps of it and shouting. And that's my favorite Metallica album because of that. Because I that's the kind of that's the I love that kind of shit. Um, but then went sort of into the kind of the deeper and darker and more histrionic and more melodic and and you know all that classical flourishes. Of metal, and then kind of went. Okay, how do we how do we yeah. bring this into the mainstream? With, you know, which is currently the Guns yeah. and Roses and the and the Motley Crue's. Well, let's hire the guy who literally did Motley Crue's album, and that's exactly what they did. And I think they never got it. They, they never got better than Master of Puppets. Like that is the pinnacle work. They never got better than Kill 'Em like, Oh, I, I just, you know, I mean, that, that just, uh, it's, it's not, I don't mind it, no. but it's not kind of my sound. As I said, it's, I, you know, to me, Master of Puppets was kind of the, the, the mountain they climbed. And there's still some good stuff on, on, um, and just John Justice, except you can't hear Jason Newstead, of course. And he, he makes up for that with a fairly cheesy bass solo, um, inspired song that was apparently supposed to be a, instrumental because they didn't but even i even think the i'm gonna say the, the pop sensibility of their um producer basically said this is a album for you know the general public they don't listen to We're instrumentals. Not doing it. you're not doing an instrumental yeah. on this one funnily enough which which is fair enough yeah funnily I don't enough, have a they, one of their most popular songs as, and because it's a tribute to cliff and all this stuff is you know they play a ryan mm. every now and then the place goes nuts because it's cliff's song even though it's a reasonably Easy bass solo to play. It's just you know, iconic. The funny thing about Metallica talking about them as a band, of course, is that the the guy that solidified them is their new their new bass player, like Robert Trujillo, is just a yeah, the suicidal tendencies guy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's just an absolute beast, and I think he's, but I think he's a fairly level guy too. Like he just seems pretty yeah. zen and cool. When you say new, he's been there for twenty years. Well, he's ten years old. 10, yeah, 10, 10 years now, I think. 20. Oh, no, he, 2001. 20 years, wow. Is that how old Sananga yeah. is? Yeah, so Sananga wow. was, was 03. 2003. And he, he joined them slightly before then. 
Yeah, so that's they hide him while they were recording yeah. San Diego. So no, no, it's twenty years. A bit like, like saying, "Oh yeah, the ACDC's new singer yeah. who has been there since nineteen eighty. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's uh, but that, that's the only good thing about that entire album is is was um, Robert Traher because he. I just think he and he brings the sounds back to them that they haven't had. And you know, Jason was a pretty good bass player, but he wasn't. He wasn't exactly yeah. pushing the boat out either. Well, if you um, think of of you know, they've obviously identified. I mean, they're, they're obviously massively influenced by the new wave of British heavy metal and, you know, a lot of that European and Scandinavian metal of the early 80s, but they identified Motorhead as a massive uh, influence of theirs, as you can see from the Garage Inc., the, you know, the Garage Days Revisit and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But, I mean, Motorhead is the most bass-driven metal band in history. I mean, literally the, the bass player is the guy in the front and he gets to do everything and he plays he plays the bass like a guitar. And if if that's how you start, that that's the kind of band that you imagine when you start your terrible thrash metal band in the Bay Area of California in the you know in the late seventies, early eighties. Um, you're gonna need a good bass player to drive that. And when they lost Cliff, I don't think they you know they, yeah. they were looking for for a replacement for a very long time, for fifteen years essentially. Unfortunately for for Newstead, he was never quite that guy. Yeah, and he was. I mean, I mean, he, he the he got it mixed out of you know, and justice for all as a or as, and justice for Jason as it's. No, no, I actually have the version somewhere of my hard drive where someone took the master tapes because when they did Guitar Hero Metallica, in yeah, which I quite enjoyed actually because I like Guitar Hero, but they got the master tapes back out of them to do that and someone got hold of it and remixed And Justice for All out of the master tapes for Guitar Hero and, and put turned the bass up and it was like, there it is. Yes. That sounds pretty good. All because Lars was an absolute cockhead that he didn't hear it. Because his snare, because his snare yeah. sound wasn't uh, to his liking. Go ask him what his snare sounds like in Sananga and see how good a judge of that yeah. is. Although, although they did, what I thought was striking is that I really noticed the drum sound in this because it had that Bob Rock thing, and and, and you know, oh yeah, um, you think year before it or the two years before he'd done Sonic Temple by the Cold and fucking the Motley Crue album. Um, you think of the opening of Doctor Feelgood, the song by Motley Crue that. Got and it's that drum is most of what Lars is bashing on for the entirety of this album. He's yeah. just bashing the shit out of Tommy Lee's drum kit, which gives you the image of... Yeah, um, right. And it does, and it sounds massive, which is half the reason that it did why. Yeah, but, it, but you can imagine also Lars, his little gimp suit, trying to rotate in Tommy Lee's rotating drum set. Oh, um, yeah, no. Of course, the best album that, that Bob Rock ever put his a recording to was Veruca Salt's Eight Arms to Hold You, which, of course... Uh, was the follow-up to American Thighs in 97. And that was the most, the loudest indie uh, alternative rock uh, album in the history of the world because it just had Bob Rock's enormous thumbprints all over it in terms of production. Yeah, so I, I, look, I, I really enjoy I still enjoy it. I yeah. still think it's a really clever, well yeah. done. I, I hate them, but I love them to death, as, as always. Um, As you can see, I can see why the real heads, the the old the old school heads, found this a bit corporate and a bit hair farmery. But 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 I like it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And um, but this, yeah. I mean, this was the second Metallica album I'd ever heard. Like I heard Master of Puppets first, and then I heard this. I'm not sure how I skipped over and just. Well, yeah. I I heard. I would have heard the 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 big tracks off this, and then went back. So Mm. immediately the the earlier harder, darker stuff would have seemed a bit, particularly because we were like fucking early teenagers at the time, it would have seemed a bit kind of foreboding. Four, Four Horsemen's probably the one I like, you know, the single off Kill Em All, that's kind of, you know, because it, to me it sounds more like what's mm. coming rather than what's been, yeah. I guess. You know, it, it was it was more indicative. It wasn't. It was indicative of what was to come as opposed to just the, the, you know, molten thrash that sort of, 
came before because they were, you know, well, and, yeah, the, yeah. and even the thrash that they do after that, like fight fire with fire <laughs> and um, like yes. damage incorporated, yeah, is is very clean compared to what it used to be. You know, it, it's, it's and they still play it every now and then. It's funny to watch Lars play fight fire with fire now. Watch them try. Yeah, it's not too bad. Look, as I've always said, Lars is hopeless. Um, James is the best riffer in the world. Like, there's not a guy how how you can keep that up all night. Well, well now that now that Malcolm Young's dead. Well, it's Riffage in a different way. Like, if Malcolm was sort of, he- Yeah. He was always on the number. In a weird way, Lars is probably better at being a Phil Rudd than, than, than he was ever to be. Yeah, a- I don't know. I don't know if they would have put up with, with that sort of, his indicative, you know, his, his looseness with the time, shall we say. They, yeah, but they put up with Phil Rudd being loose in all kinds of ways. Yeah, so. at least he could keep count to four, though. That's important Which, if you're Phil Rudd. I mean, that, that might be the, un- the only requirement for the job. But um, it's interesting. So we'll get to that blacklist. That's blacklist with one T, not with two Ts, as distinct from the New Zealand metal band, who were a spin-off from Blind Spot, which also had two Ts. Uh, that's a random New Zealand music fact for you. Um, this is a, just a list of cover versions of of tracks off of the, the Black, Black Album, the Metallica um, Blacklist. Yes, um, I mean, in my opinion, Metallica covering other bands is is better than other people other bands trying to cover Metallica. But um, there are there's some interesting stuff in here, and there's some absolute shit. Yeah, did we really need twelve versions of Nothing Else Matters? Did we, yeah, well, and funnily enough, the version did we need one. The version that I thought I was going to hate the most because I'd heard, as we talked about earlier, I'd heard. I mean, the fact that they need ESPN have bashed the shit out of that fucking, and they took, and I reckon they've taken the worst part of that cover and stretched it out and made it even more dramatic to fit, you know. So because actually, I reckon she does the best version of kind of matching the, the intensity. This is that, the Miley Cyrus and various star, co-stars version. I mean, look at it: Elton John, Yo-Yo Ma, Robert Trujillo, and Chad Smith. I mean, why on earth do you need those people to play this song? You you don't. Because they're what you know, but this but, this is a know. slowed down, sad girl orchestral backed version of Nothing Else Matters that ESPN yeah, have been. If you, if people who don't have ESPN, they've been using it every ad break to promote their their Major League Baseball. But if coverage. you listen to it right the way through, it gets going though, and that's the thing. After the first verse, it really kicks into gear. But it's now the song is still Nothing Else Matters, which is a drudge. Well, do, you know, it's the, do you know if I play? If people, it's a song I fucking hate. I mean, it's just it's slogging yeah, through people, mud. That people song. request it's it just, for me on piano, and I'm just like. Like really, you want to hear me play? Nothing else matters, and like, yeah, there was like, one of the twelve versions was was just one dude on a piano, just given the yeah. Oh, there's there's lots of horrible like Weezer proved that again that they are the whitest band on the planet, like and, and just they are even even whiter than White Reaper. I didn't listen to that and one. White but- Reaper are white. They're white as fuck. They're extremely Midwest, but yeah, we- Weezer need to stop doing fucking. The problem is that that the people who who just did a direct like code relevant genre specific cover in the exact same style suck because you're not going to improve on on metallica's version of metallica you've got to do something a bit different so weezer just doing a shitty fucking terrible rsl covers band version of in the sandman doesn't fucking move the needle at all what what it reminds me of is i mean telling you about the the cover band i saw trying to play Place your hands and playing it. Oh, place your hands. You know, no, 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 no. That's not how it goes, my son. I know you're Australian, but you, you sing that song. You have to sing it with an accent. You lean into the the fake Motownness of it, or you don't do it at all. Oh, place your hands. Yeah. So if you're if you're the dude from Weezer, you can't go say your prayers. It's so you know you can't you can't enunciate every word. It doesn't work. Like yes. it's not. 
You have to do. You have to go the full Hetfield. That being said, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of people in here who should who yeah. should just leave it the hell alone. What I thought was interesting was that certain songs attracted certain kinds of bands, like um, the punk rock bands all graduated to holier than thou because it's up more upbeat, and all the hip hop producers went for. Um, wherever I may roam and I was wondering if that was a production choice or whether that was just because that's what they gravitated towards all the fucking there was one band I found who started a start of the song and I went finally here it is like it was a bit punky it was a bit rock I thought and they had the intensity they had and then the guy started just screaming shit over the top of it um what were they idols is that them yes that was them yeah they no, were, that's a, they're yeah, an English punk band yeah awful I went and had to listen to a couple of their songs and I just went wow yeah I find them they're really discordant and, and, and unpleasant yes yeah. but the music the music of it was great the singer should just be taken out and shot somewhere it was dreadful the Sleaford mods think they're fucking cocks so I think that's probably a good enough reason to think they're cool similarly with some of the some of the weird versions like you go to the hip hop guys I know the, the Sebastian version and the Neptune's version it was just like why I didn't I didn't mind the mashup of well there was the, so it's Sebastian did a like a don't tread on me yeah, no, it was, don't tread on else matters and the first half was don't tread on me and the second half was nothing else matters yeah and it was the okay. don't tread on me yeah. remix he did I actually thought was kind of kind of worked it was a bit kind of Mark Ronson, Bruno Mars, but it was kind of like, this is nothing like the Metallica version, but you've done something interesting but with it, and at least I'll credit you for that. The interesting part about it, I reckon, was listening to the fact that, yes, Metallica do use weird chord progressions occasionally, and the and the hip-hop producers just go, nah, one, one, four, five, and we'll just make it fit, and nah. this chord... And it, we're, we're just going to sample the bit that we want in order for us to... And it doesn't words. work. It doesn't work at all. Like, it's just like... And, I, and people are like, oh, you know, oh, thanks, Boomer. But, you know, um, the most interesting version of the whole lot, just for the, you know, props to taking the probably the most difficult song on the whole album and making it on the most difficult instrument available was uh, Rodrigo Gabriela's um, Go at Struggle Within. That, was a, that wasn't too bad, the kind of Spanish guitar thing, yeah. Yeah, like I, when I start when I started, I went, "Oh yeah, cool." That's the. Yeah. Oh, I, I wonder what the thought process was when he, they he said, he went, Look, yeah, "I'm going to cover." I'm a Latin guitarist. I'm going to do a Latin guitar version. Yeah, I actually, thought it, one of the more interesting things was also taking "Sad but True." Was it was it Jason Isbell who did like a black keys style stripped down blues? Yeah, that, that I actually really enjoyed that. That's sad but true because it kind of. It, it it twisted your interpretation of the song. It became just a, rather than a, I am Satan and I'm you and I'm inside you. And it just became a, I've got the blues again. And like the Royal Blood version was a bit sort of, yeah, the Royal Blood version was a bit like, eh. It didn't really, yeah, it, it, it wasn't, wasn't great. It, it was like, it, it didn't, it had a foot in, you know, it, it wanted to try and make it sound like Royal yeah. Blood, which means, you know, it's two guys rather than four they guys. They phoned it in. They, they really felt like they phoned it in. Yeah, it just wasn't, yeah, it wasn't great. But then again, there was some really terrible, awful, like, sad indie girl Lana Del Rey style covers in here too that just shouldn't be allowed. Well, but well, there were, there were 12 of them and they were all of Nothing Else Matters yeah. and the others were all full of The Unforgiven. I 
probably did not spend any time on those. There was all. a couple of Anna Sandmans in there as well. Like Alessia Cara had a go at Anna Sandman, and it's yeah, not great. Yeah, the, the opening, the opener was not promising, was it? Yeah, no, I, it wasn't. I, I, look, not. I liked the chats. For, I liked the chats. So I liked the chats version of yeah, Holly well, that and was, that It was just yeah, basically a drunken pub shout, but it was it it worked. It did what you yeah, wanted. No, it was one of the better ones. I, I kind of I didn't listen to this whole album, obviously, but I kind of just went for the name. Today. Oh no, I skipped anything that that, that sucked immediately. Yeah, I just skipped. I just went on names. So I saw the chats and I saw St. Vincent and Royal Blood and I just yeah. picked a couple randomly. Actually, the first one I picked was um, Rodrigo. That was the first one I saw. I just went, what the hell? How on earth is this going to work? And then I played it and went, oh, shit. That's actually pretty good. Like, it's not too, not, you know, for... But then once you realised it was good because they didn't have to worry about the vocal. And then once you had yeah. to worry about the vocal, you realised that uh, the, the James... Um, oh, yeah... yeah. Uh, um, I'm doing my head field. <laughs> Pretty good. Um, better than anything else on that album. The, what was interesting is is also that everyone else must have also had my copy, my 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 one side of the C90 tape version of the album that didn't have the last tracks on the album because nobody bothered to try and do cover versions of the last tracks on the album. It's like twelve awful. versions of Nothing Else Matter. There yeah. was one attempt at of Wolf of Man and it Wolf sucked. Man, yeah. And yeah. there was like one attempt of the last track on the album and maybe two of of the second last track on the album. It's like the the, the back the back and fifteen minutes of the album just got completely ignored. The terrible version of My Friend of Misery. It's just like there, there were a know, couple of bad versions of, yeah, of that. Yeah. Just like really breathy and you know, like you just stood there screaming. It's like, no, 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 no. The idea is that you stood there screaming. You gotta give it you gotta give it a bit more. Yeah, Portugal, the man even, sucks worse than Portugal, the football team. Even and this is the disappointing thing. Of what? Where is the 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 rockin' chick on this one that just belts the shit? Because I know. Oh, I tell you what, there was one that was quite good. Have, there I was um, what was her name? Isabel Ray, I think her name is. Uh, was it? I've, I have written it down okay. somewhere. I'll have to have a listen because I, I, I was looking. I was looking desperately for. Because I, I was I, not. I was yeah. expecting nothing of it. Amelda May did okay. kind of a. Uh, um, did a version that it was like oh, like I was not expecting anything good of it and it was actually like yeah this actually this works I think it was was it um, God That Failed or was it My Friend Misery oh yeah the, yeah, Melda May The God That Failed yeah. yeah The God That Failed which is a song about Hetfield's mum dying of cancer because she fucking wouldn't take treatment because she had Christian science oh, beliefs no. and you know was it, and that's where The God That Failed was that she didn't get treatment she just went yeah God will save me and like apparently not Burp, no See you so later. He's like, you know, you probably should. Thank you, God. Vengeful God. But, Thank you, God. Vengeful God. <laughs> Not actually doing fucking anything, God. Which was kind of the situation. But yeah, I think I think the good thing about this playlist is it makes you realise again that the original is pretty yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's, it's weird how me- metal songs are played best by metal bands. Yeah, um, but right. there were a couple of interesting, and I think that's the thing with with it with a cover, you either have to do a brilliant genre specific tribute act version and nail it or you have to do something completely different that pays tribute uh, the, the perfect example of this is um yothu yindi's cover of jailbreak yes like you go okay you've you've made that song better because you've put an entirely different spin on it and yeah and, and gives it even more atmosphere yeah. and it's it's darker and deeper and yeah the words not only and the words ha- it has a meaning to it uh, interesting enough that it's actually officially licensed, and you know, this is official. This this album, it, it's like, on Metallica's fucking artist. Yeah, it's a Metallica album according to Spotify. Yeah, Blackened Recordings in, Incorporated. Under yeah. you know, it, it's there. It was so commissioned by them. So yeah. they obviously think these versions are good, 
and a lot of them, you know, a lot of them are okay. Well, I think I think this is a very Spotify kind of approach, isn't it? It's the let's get attention on everybody's playlists because on everybody's yeah, Discover Weekly, they've got enough spread of artists that they're going to get something on everyone's playlist that'll attract attention for the fact that this playlist exists that. Metallica Black Album is turning yeah. 30 and, and or, you know, everything else. I mean, it's, it's weird that Metallica are really good at making money out of music. And, I mean, I thought I wasn't – I didn't actually realise that the the Miley Nothing Else Matters had all these other idiots, you know, along for the ride because the version I originally saw came up with her and Metallica playing that on, on Howard Stern. On- and, as I said, she gives it a rip. She is probably the best female – I mean, she is a very good female vocalist anyway, apart from a little bit of a country twang that she sort of has – She's a country artist, so I guess that's what happens. But she she gives it a red hot crack towards the end. You know, it, she has that sort of low vocal that gets away with it. And so it is a dirge, but it's kind of that's what it is. You know, that's the whole. It's a helplessness kind of it, song, I guess. And it's a song yeah, about Hetfield missing his girlfriend. Yeah, when I he's know, on tour. It's, so it is. It is. A, it is just a fucking soppy love song. Which and now it's another reason why I'm sure the old heads went. This is a sellout. This is pathetic. Sing more about Satan and shit. Yeah. But no, good stuff. I enjoyed it. I still enjoy it. It's not my favourite Metallica album, but it's probably my second favourite. It's a good album. It's a very good album. It was 30 years old. Happy birthday, Metallica Black. That's just thing from Johnny Walker Black, which is what Bezo will be drinking. The the thing that this also introduced, unfortunately, to the world was um, the the idea of putting uh, strings and shit behind Metallica led to the S&M experiment, mm-hmm. which they've done twice, mm-hmm. and neither time worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, who would have thought that uh, having you know a, a whole bunch of French horns play a guitar solo um, would be anything good? Actually, the most interesting thing like I saw- Like you just said, I, the thing about metal songs is they work best if they're played by metal bands. The most interesting thing I've caught on YouTube trawling through you know, things is there's a recording of Bob Rock and- uh, Kirk Hammett, the recording of this, where where um, Bob is trying to get Kirk to write the solo for Unforgiven. Is this off the um, Kirk is off just, the yeah. classic albums? Oh no, I think it's just it's just it's just a piece of the camera. I think like they because oh, they, they, they made a mo- they, there's like there's like, there's a classic albums and there was also like a not not quite a uh, some kind of monster, but there was a movie yeah. made of the of the making of because it you know cost a huge amount so, of money. So there. it's kind of interesting where because you know Bob keeps saying, "Come on, Kirk, we need the solo. Have you have you worked on it?" He's like, "No, my guitar sounds crap and." I'm not happy with this. And I'm not happy with that. And Bob Rock's just looking at the camera, going, "In my experience, when you know, the, when a guitarist hasn't done their preparation, uh, you know, the first thing they say is my guitar tone's no good and my guitar's, yes. you know, all this sort of stuff." And you hear that some of the, you know, some of the solo, they say, "Come on, just play something you hear," and just like, "Oh no, no, that's terrible." And finally, you know, and I mean, obviously, cut to six days later or something like that, and they have Bob going, "Come on, you know, Kirk, we really need something." And, you know, in the middle of it, he just busts out this solo. Um, and you think, yeah, that actually there fits really, really well because I've heard it 17,000 times. You know, obviously, mm-hmm. that's where it was going to end up. But to see where it came from, yeah, it's actually, yeah, making the Black Album documentary, a 90-minute video, how they how they made Black. There you go. I haven't watched the whole well, thing. It was interesting. That. I think all you need to know about Bob Rock's experience was that after he did this, he, he resolved never to work with Metallica again. Yeah, I don't blame him. He was back for load, yeah. reload, and everything they did subsequently yeah. for years. That's the pro- That's been the problem half the time, I think. Well, he, st- he did helm the, the best thing that I've – my favourite thing Metallica ever did, which was the uh, the garage ink. 
yes. because I've you, always you, enjoyed Metallica doing other people's music yeah, uh, as, as much, if not more, than Metallica doing their own. And, and so do they. And, and so do they. They, they put those covers well, That's in it. interesting, every, isn't it? Yeah, that, that's, what I, that's the one thing I find relatable about them is that I think that, a, that every band – that, that I've ever heard of is love doing other people's songs. Well, that's, I mean, that's where everybody started. You know, isn't it arcs back to when you were starting in the shed, you're covering other people's shit. Yeah, no one, no one starts their careers by getting up and playing original music. You know, they all no. get up and play, they play everybody else's because that's how you get a crowd. That's how you, that's what you do. So it's just one of those things that I think at least they embrace that because I think it's still really, they, they said they do it really well. I mean, my, my favorite of theirs yeah. in that, terrifyingly unwoke way is um, uh, Last Caress is such a great version of that, of a horrible song. Um, it's not as bad as So What. Yeah, So What's yeah, pretty <laughs> yes. bad too. But, but yeah, they still do. That, well, got, that song got people arrested in, the, in Britain in the 70s. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, it's not, it's very problematic, that song. But, you know, it's uh, it's good stuff. But it, uh, and, it, even to, and, even, and then even to the, the thing those, like- those are pa- Those are basically punk rock songs, which is yeah. interesting because it wasn't something that, you know, in 1991 I, I thought of Metallica as a – being a metal band was a separate thing from being a punk rock band. But you can kind of – the thing I liked about the Garage recordings, let's call that whole group of Garage – Garage Days, Garage Days re-revisited and Garage Inc., is that it kind of mapped out all of the... With Metallica, they were very clear about, these are our influences, and you can dig into them and you'll probably find something really cool. But you get... And that's what I really... And not very many bands do that. They're like, not only... Uh, most bands say no, no, we're we're, we're not. Insp- they don't want to be seen to be inspired by anybody else because people will call them derivative. Metallica are like, no. Well, d- here are all the bands that we were inspired by. Here's fucking Motorhead and Budgie and Merciful Fate and you know blah blah blah, blah and, and all this sort of stuff. And you go out and you know discover it. Here are some cover versions. This is us playing their stuff because we. And I thought that that part of of Metallica's journey has always been something that I've really thought was cool. Because they weren't ha- they weren't ashamed of showing their working and showing what influenced them. Yeah, and, and I'm just looking here. Of course, you can find the site from this is that I found that site again. Setlist.fm songs covered by Metallica. The most popular, of course, Last Caress. They've played 829 times live. Am I Evil or Diamond Head cover, which is as a good song. Yeah. Um, Bread Fan is one they play quite a bit too, which is a very Bread Fan. That's a budgie song, I think. Like. Yeah. Um- Crash course in brain surgery. Yeah, and um, so what which is, is the next one? But then yeah, actually one of my favourite of theirs, and I had yeah, um, is Stone Cold Crazy, which is a bloody Queen song. It's a Queen song, but but the way they do it, but it was off Queen's one album where they got a bit yeah. like they actually tried to be a rock band instead of whatever the fuck Queen are. But there, there is all sorts of stuff, you know. Like I mean, there's you know. Die, die, my darling. Turn the page. Whiskey in the jar. Overkill. Overkill. Yeah, because they they used to, they did that. Um, that that's the, I think they finished the they finished it with a series of Motorhead songs. They were all off earlier albums. It was all off albums before um, Ace of Spades. They even play Sabracadabra a couple of times. Yep, in here, uh, so. but they, they did a modified version because uh, Sabra the middle section of Sabracadabra kind of gets a bit kind of spaced out because mm. this was later Black Sabbath when they were on on the fucking the nose beers pretty fiercely. <laughs> and as a, I mean, they literally released a song called Snowblind about how much they loved the nose beers. Yeah. Uh, so they had they had to kind of tighten up. Um, they had to tighten up Sabra Cadabra, so it was just a big riff. Uh, yeah. But it worked fine. Good fun. Anywho, I reckon that's. I think we've we've put it, we put the black album to bed, and it might even be time for us to to put this podcast to bed. Um, Sounds good. This was tripping balls. Uh, I was the doc, and he was Adam H. Photo. 
next week we'll be back with Bezo if he hasn't thrown himself in at Morton Bay as a result of Russell Westbrook playing a decent game of basketball um, or as a result of having to make people listen to Rufus de Sol which is something that he decided to do to us um, there's also the sore losers in park at courts uh, if people actually want to listen to something good uh, that's all on our playlist foreshadowing we will we'll talk to you next week gotcha Yeah!